Before the eons of time, God uh, was thinking about you. He was cherishing the moment that there would be intimacy and a relationship with you, that he would share all that he is and all that he has with you. But we know that sin entered the world, right? We know because of Adam's and Eve's sin, there was a separation, there was an alienation, there was an isolation from God. But God was always on the attack with his love, came down into the garden and said, Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? But because of sin, separation from God, within all of our lives is the shame and condemnation and guilt that we can't get rid of it. It hangs on us like a wet blanket. It hangs on us like a humid day, the sweaty feeling of shame and guilt and condemnation. And the fact is, is that the gospel is all about a loving God that has always loved you and has always had a plan. He knew that Adam and Eve would sin. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, he knows all about your failure, all about your weakness, all about your sin, but he always has a plan. He's a man of action. He's a God of action. And the plan was, we, we see in Genesis, that the Bible says that the seed of this sinful woman would crush the head of the serpent, crush the head of Satan, and he would win the victory. Isaiah speaks about this child that would be born, that would come, and he would be a ruler, and he would set up his kingdom on earth. And then we see in Isaiah chapter 53 that he was wounded and bruised for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. It was God's will and God's pleasure to crush Christ so that we could live. How would you feel if somebody died for you? Maybe you're walking across the street and some guy sees you're going to get hit by a car. He pushes you out of the way and he gets run over and splattered on the road. How would you feel? Guilty. Guilty. See, here's the thing. The gospel is all about receiving a free gift handed to you by God through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. My question for you today, have you received the gospel? Have you received this free gift of everlasting life that begins right now? The Bible says that to as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become the child of God. Isn't that awesome? It's your right based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that you'd be a child of God, that you'd be accepted, that you'd no longer have to run, you'd no longer have to hide, you'd no longer have to be alienated and isolated and separated from God. But God sees your faith in Christ through grace. He sees that you've been born again. He sees that your life is covered by the blood of Christ. Your sins are forgiven. You've been to the cross, and your burdens are lifted. And he says, come into my presence. You are my child. This is the gospel. It happened to you a long time ago when you accepted Christ. The joy, the hope, the life. The realization that your sins were forgiven, that God looks at you as a child of God, that you are righteous in his sight. 
He who knew no sin became sin for you so that you might be the righteousness of God. The Bible speaks to us in Ephesians that it's not by works of righteousness, but according to his grace that he has saved us. Let me clue you in. It's not your good looks and charm, let me tell you. The Bible says in Romans that we were powerless, we were helpless, we were enemies of God, we were hostile to God. Let's face it, friends. All of us spit at God. We denigrate his name by the way we live. We belittle his glory. But yet God still came and died for you while you were his enemy. That's the mind-boggling idea of this gospel. We didn't deserve it, but his love still attacks us, still takes us over, runs us over like a steamroller, James Taylor. Steamrolls us over with his love, and he flattens all of our, all of our preconceived ideas, all of our religious thoughts. Everything that we think about us is flattened, and we... Yield to the precious love of God that he loves you today. He has a plan for you. He has a destiny for you. You can walk in this newness of life where your life from this point on will be transformed forever, evermore. You will no longer be the same person. You will be changed. Oh, man, I'm so glad that God got a hold of me. There's a lot of amens over here for that. (laughs) Amen. God got a hold of me. God got a hold of you. It wasn't because I chose it. It was because God wooed me. Circumstances, people, my own sinful heart, he wooed me to himself. And I said, God, try, I'm, I'm tired of living this religious life, trying to make a good, a good impression on people when I know when I lay my head down on the pillow, I'm a horrible, terrible person. Let's face it. If people knew what you were really like, come on, there'd be humiliation and embarrassment. Here's the thing. God knows all about you, the very hair on your head. As the sands of the sea are his thoughts towards you today. And he loves you. This is the gospel. The good news started long, long time ago. And it continues. The Bible says, as you have received Christ Jesus, you received him through faith, grace, you received him. So walk in him. The problem is we we take Christ, we hear the gospel, and then the human tendency is that we have to prove ourselves. Isn't it true? We feel like we have to achieve this righteousness when, when God says all you have to do is receive it. We begin this uh, religious walk. We start performing for God. We feel like we have to be approved of God. We feel like God doesn't love us because we're not meeting our standards. See, the religious person puts all his trust and faith in his self-righteousness and not in the righteousness of God. And what we do is we try to do good. Because the thought is, if I do good, if I do this, if I don't cuss, if I don't drink, if I don't dance, if I don't watch R-rated movies, God will bless me because I'm approved and I'm good. What we do is we translate those thoughts onto other people. That person cusses. That person drinks. 
That person goes to R-rated movies, and that person dances. <laughs> that is not the gospel. When we judge and accuse and condemn people, that has nothing to do with the gospel whatsoever. The Bible says that we should treat people the way God has treated us. You were a loser, okay? You were lost. You were blind. Ephesians chapter 2 says you were dead. And it's not about God making bad people good. It's about God making dead people alive because of the resurrection. Amen? And if you're not alive today, you are dead. You need to come alive in the wonderful grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's asking you to receive, not to try to achieve, because we never, ever will, 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 will achieve. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, no matter how far we jump. We've fallen short. The gospel is something that we live out on a daily basis because we look back at what, what we were, I was a sinner. I have the potential without Christ to be the worst individual on this planet, and I know it. I need him. I need his grace. And don't fool yourselves. You're, the, you're in the same place. This is the gospel message. And if you, know, if you want to know the horror of your sin... Think about the cross. God Almighty, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life under the authority of his, of his parents, went about for three years preaching the kingdom of God, healing people, raising people from the dead, touching the leper, ministering to adulterous women, letting prostitutes speak to him and talk to him. He was known to sit with the sinners and sit with the prostitutes and sit with the drunkards. The Pharisees, the religious folks, said he was demon-possessed. He didn't really care about his reputation, did he? Because he loved. The gospel changes our life because it makes, him, makes us like him. Religion changes our life because it makes us more of a sinner and a child of the devil. Because we don't yield to the Holy Spirit's power. The Old Testament, people were looking forward to a promise fulfilled. Can you imagine the Old Testament believers? They fought, bled, and died. Did remarkable, remarkable, remarkable things of faith. Remarkable things of faith based on a promise that would be fulfilled. A Messiah would come. A deliverer would come. He'd rule and reign the earth. A promise fulfilled. We see it down the road. Jesus came, and friends, the promise was fulfilled. Amen? When he said it is finished, consummated in the salvation the reconciliation of the whole world. we got to get the message out. Amen? So when we look at the gospel, we look back over 2,000 years ago and we see Jesus saying, it is finished. It is, this, it is as if he said it a moment ago. It is finished. Your struggle, 
your pain, your brokenness, Jesus understands because he became man. He became a human, was tortured and bruised, misrepresented, misunderstood, and died a cruel death on a cross that was reserved for you. But he said this, he said, I got to go. I got to go to heaven. Because when I do, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send a counselor. I'm going to send the one who empower you to live this wonderful, beautiful life of receiving my grace, of receiving my power, to go through the pain of this life and the adversity of this life, the sorrow of this life, and to have the grace and the wonder and the presence of God Almighty with you. What a great salvation and what a God. Amen? This month, I want us to ponder the gospel, that God would die for you, and how we take it for granted so much. C.S. Lewis said, it's the horror, it's the horror of the thing that happens so often. It's the horror of the regular thing. It's the horror of the, of the drudgery of the day. It's the horror of the same thing happening over and over again. We've heard the gospel for so much, but we, we, we take it for granted that it's in the power of the gospel that changes and transforms us. It's the power of the gospel to get us through the horrors that can happen, the illnesses, the sicknesses, the pain, the sorrow, the loss. In this life, you will have trouble, and you will have tribulation. But I give you my peace. Not like the world gives. Jesus said he was going to give you his peace to see you through. You have to receive it. The Pharisees were unbelievable individuals. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for eternal life, but you don't know that from the, from the time of the law through the prophets, they speak of me. The fulfillment of the law and the prophets standing before them. And they killed him and they murdered him. Wow, what a God we serve. It's nice hearing good news, amen? Maybe a job opportunity, you get the call. Maybe you thought you had a terrible interview and you're like, I'm such a loser. The dude calls you up, the employer, and says, you're hired. Wow, the grace of God. <laughs> Man. How about when you, when you get your, remember when you got your report card? <laughs> and you were like, God, change the numbers, please. You can do it. Change the ink, oh God. Switch the numbers from a 39 to a 93, I pray. In Jesus' name. Oh, man. I remember the, the regent's exam for algebra. You know, you have to get a 65 or over to pass the class. If you don't do that, you got to take algebra again. And I knew I did bad. I was like, God, this isn't going well. Got my report card. Opened it up. Algebra, 67. <laughs> Thank you, God. Good news. Amen. Good news. Oh. Hey, husbands, how about this? 
Husbands, how about when you asked your wife to marry you? And she actually said yes. Good news. Amen? Good news. There is a lot of voices out in the world that has given us a whole lot of bad, bad news. We need to be ministers of reconciliation to give this world the good news of Jesus Christ. Give them a good report that they don't have to be bound in their brokenness. They don't have to be bound in their shame. They don't have to be bound in their sin, but they can come alive by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not make you a better person. Make you a brand new person. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Wow. A new creation. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's flip over there, guys. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to read the whole thing. Up until verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. Getting really hot in here, amen? No? No. One day I will shoot that thing with a 45. I'm telling you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 2. And here we go. Ready? Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Let's face it, friends. You didn't need a makeover. You didn't need a self-help book. You didn't need some motivational guru to give you a motivational speech. You were dead without life. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in this unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. We were children of wrath, children of disobedience. Literally, we were the children of the devil under his power, under his sway. By the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, he had rule over our heart and over our life. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. The anger and wrath of God was placed on Christ on your behalf. And you are free. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life, he quickened us when he raised us, raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of this incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. It's not by works of righteousness. And let me tell you this. It's not by your works of right choices. Here's another thing that we we do to ourselves. We get into this Man, praise God. I'm making all the right choices. 
going to church, I'm tithing. Man, I'm even going to life group every once in a while. I'm buying my allotment of coffee that I should spend at the coffee bar. I'm doing everything perfect, man. I'm doing the right choices. This pride and arrogance arises in our hearts, and it's religious, and it's deadly. Because our focus is on us and not on Christ. We don't, we don't make a religion out of our right choices, do we? Our, our mantra is, is not, I obey, therefore God accepts me. Our mantra as a child of God is, I'm accepted, I'm loved. And because of that, I obey God with all my heart and all my soul. I obey him because I need to be transformed by my heart and my life. I know what I am on the inside, but I know what God can make me as he brings his heart into my life, as he brings the Holy Spirit in to to, to mold me and to shape me into conformity with Jesus Christ. It's not about works of right choices. It's about the grace of God that he looked upon you and said, I love you even though you are a sinner, an enemy of mine, and I will die for you, and I will give you my life. reason he rose again, the reason he rose again today is that you might have the life. See, we are, here's a principle in Scripture. We identify with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? When Christ died, we died with him. When Christ was buried, we, buried our, we bury our old life. When Christ was raised again, we rise in this wonderful newness of life, transformed by the power of God. We identify and we appropriate. Here's a word. Appropriate. That's four syllables. Appropriate. What we do is we take what another has and we take it to our account. We take what another has and we use it for our own self. We take God's account. We take God's riches. We take God's provision. And he says, yes, this is okay. You're not stealing. Appropriate the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the resources of God, the blessing of God, the provision of God, and take it for yourself. Amen? We identify and we appropriate the things of God in our lives, but many of us don't identify with him and we don't appropriate the many blessings that God has for us because we have to receive it by faith and we have to receive it by trusting him. I trust you. Trust you with my life because you died for me and you have a plan for my heart and for my life. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Guess what? You can't take credit for it, okay? <laughs> All right? It's a gift from God. The greatest thing that we can do today, people, is when the Spirit of God moves upon you, the greatest thing that we can give back to the Lord is your heart. Give him your heart. Give him your heart. You might remember this little illustration of the Pope when he needed a heart transplant. And everybody was gathered 
in the square and yelling. They're Italian, so they speak like this. Take of my heart. Take of my heart. Everybody's yelling, take of my heart. What a beautiful, beautiful display of love and grace. And the Pope said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out a feather. Wherever that feather lands on that person, I will take of his heart or take of her heart. So the feather goes out and people are still ranting and raving, take of my heart, take of my heart. But as it gets a little bit closer, take of my heart, take of my heart, take of my heart. We do that with God, don't we? Church service, we get all rambunctious. God, I'm going to give you my life. I'll go to the moon if you ask me. And when we get outside, we start saying, take my heart. And we get this religious religiosity upon us where we think we can make it all by ourselves. Your lust, your pride, your addiction, your anger, your resentment, you don't have the power to overcome because you don't have the power of life and death in your hands. Only God does. And he's asking you now to give your heart. Understand fully the gospel. What is your motivator to come on a Sunday night, to Sunday morning, to come during a life group, to give of your money, What's your motivator when you, when you serve people and love people? Is it because that God, through Christ, loved you so much that you can't understand or grasp it and that you melt under his embrace and love? The motivator for you today, as you live out this gospel, is that God loves you and that you are accepted and that you belong, now act like it. Amen? Amen? Act like it. Live out this gospel by realizing that your life is of no concern. The gospel is about the heart of God, the mission of God, the purpose of God. We were created to give him glory, and he'll not share his glory with another. Give him all the glory and all the praise by every thought and every action. Everything you do in your life, say, I'm going to glorify God with everything that I have because he loves me and he died for me. A renewed sense of the gospel, the good news of Christ today. Most terrifying thought for the world is that God is good. That's the most terrifying fact for the world. You know why? Because we are not. And that's why God came. God died to make provision that you would be near him, that you would be in him. If you're a follower of Christ today, you've been born again, you have assurance that you're going to heaven, and you feel and experience the change of God in your life, you're living out the truths of the gospel, you realize that he loves you. You realize today that you can't, could not do it on your own.
funny, in the Old Testament, the kingdom was all about land and territory. I would have loved to live back then. I know, right, guys? We get that axe pick and we get that sword and like Mel Gibson, we just run into the battle. Freedom! I probably would have got my head chopped off in the first swing. (laughs) Okay? That was the Old Testament. Listen, the New Testament, the territory now, is the heart of man. God's mission is to take the territory of every heart and build his kingdom one by one. With the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as each man repents and comes to know Christ. It's the heart of man that God is after. He's after your heart today. He's after your heart. turn to Luke chapter 6. And we're going we're gonna to look at um, a portion of Scripture that was in our Bible reading for last week. We're going we're gonna to read it again t- today, though, okay? Luke chapter 6. This is how a gospel person, a Jesus person, should live. Okay? It's going to be very, very encouraging, very, very challenging. And here it goes. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. We're going to read a lot of scripture, so get ready. Get in the mood. Get ready, okay, to hear the word of God. If you have ears to hear, then hear the word of God today. God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, For in due time you will laugh when blessings await you. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy, be joyful. Leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now for a time of awful hunger awaits you? What sorrow awaits you who laugh now for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow? What sorrow awaits you who are praised by by the crowds for their ancestors are praised? Their ancestors also praised false prophets. But to you who are willing to listen to the gospel, I say, love your enemies Do good to those who hate you. This is the gospel. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. This is the gospel. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. This is the gospel. If someone demands your coat, offer him your shirt also. This is the gospel. Give to everyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, Don't even try to get them back. This is the gospel. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. When we fully understand the gospel and how God treated us and looked upon us, there's no way that we can treat people with a hateful, angry, judgmental, condemnatory, and accusatory way because God did not look at us like that, did he? 
If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from, will, from heaven will be great, and you will be acting, and you will be called children of the Most High God. Yeah. Yeah! Now, where am I? What verse? Come on, give me a verse here. 35? 35? Okay. Let's do 34. And if you lend money, only those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, expecting to be repaid expect, without expecting. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, truly acting as children of the Most High. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back to you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive your gift. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. This is a principle of identifying with Christ. When you give, not just money, when you give of your heart, when you serve him, when something is taken from you because of ministry, here it is. You will receive, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a redwood tree sticking out of your head? Right? Walking around with his redwood. Hey, man, you're a sinner. Repent, you know. Come on. Let's take care of our own heart, huh? What happens with religious people, they deflect. Here it is. When they read something in the Word of God, they always think, oh, I wish Brother John was here. Oh, my goodness, he really needs this Word. And Sister, Sister, Sister Hazel, oh, if she could only be here to her, hear the truth of God would penetrate her evil, evil heart. I got enough problems taking care of my own heart, people. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to you about yours. The truth of God is going to go out and speak to you, okay? I'm not going to tell you what to do. If you're, if you're a Christ follower, you read the word of God and you let the Holy Spirit tell you. But you say, I want to do what you want me to do. How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you? Get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrites. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. There's a big, big, big fat log in each of our eyes. It's called pride, arrogance, rebellion. 
the denigration and belittlement of God's glory. Jesus is the only one that can take it out. Let's deal with our own redwood tree, please. Let the word of God speak to your heart. And when we deal with people, we don't deal in a condemnatory, accusatory, slanderish way. We deal with love coming up underneath them to uphold them, to minister to them. Speak the truth in love. And see, here's the thing. When we hear that verse, normally it's like, Jim Bob, wake up, Jim. Okay, listen, you've been doing this thing that God doesn't like. I'm just, it's just an illustration, okay? Um, <laughs> I don't want to scare him because he was, you know. Um, but you got to change, okay? You got to get better. You got to do better, okay? That's how we view speak the truth in love. But you know what? You know what? Speaking the truth in love, we speak the gospel truth. We speak the gospel. Jim Bob, if you're if you're struggling, I'm struggling too. Let's get together and pray. We we'll work on this together. Amen. Yeah. Okay, that's the gospel truth. I hate Christians that stand back from the well of salvation and throw hand grenades in. Right? If you're going to throw a hand grenade at me, get real close so I can choke you out first. Amen? Let's not throw hand grenades into the well of salvation. Let's jump in the waters and live this Christian life to the full extent. Let's, Let's live out the gospel. People need the gospel. They don't need religion religiosity and do this and do that and rules and regulations. If you yield to the Holy Spirit, he will transform your life and the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. It's a natural process. I got this buddy of mine that I can't get rid of. His name is Doug Paluch. He's called Fragili. I want him, as we close this service, I want him to talk about what God is doing in his life, what the gospel is doing for, for, for Doug. And I pray that it will bless you, encourage you, and strengthen you as he comes to, to share a little testimony, amen? amen, of what the gospel has done. Good morning, family. Good morning. <laughs> So the other day I woke up and uh, I had a, a schedule, a very heavy schedule. I woke up, I was angry, hungry, lonely, tired, and I just didn't want to go on with the schedule. I've had my right knee replaced on the right-hand side in PT, which is physical therapy. I call it pain and torture. Um, said, don't kneel on that knee. You can't kneel on that knee. So... About a week before that, I dropped a log splitter on my good leg. <laughs> so I woke up, and I was just mad at the world. I just woke up, and I was angry, and I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I sat down. I think I turned on Jerry Springer, <laughs> and I just got madder. So I threw my body pillow on the floor, and I just said, Lord, help me, help me today surround me with angels Help me get through these tasks. I, I'm, I'm sick of fighting. I just want to have a good day. I achieved all those tasks 
in the day, which was amazing. And the day was perfect. It was fantastic. Because, you know, left to my own devices, I would have trashed it. <laughs> but, you know, with his blessing, it was fantastic. The other sh uh, story I want to share with you is um, I sent a video to Dan anyway. An old girlfriend contacted me from thousands of miles away. And uh, this uh, regarded a child that was two and they couldn't find her. So I said to her, um, well, I'm going to pray tonight. And when you get up and you look at the clock, that's going to be God sending angels to you and your family to find this girl. So, and I shared this with my current girlfriend because I'm being blatantly honest here. And um, so she texts me back the next day. She goes, I don't know if you filled my head with a bunch of garbage or what, but I looked at the clock in the middle of the night, and there was such a bright light, I couldn't see the time. Mm. And she goes, and today is so much better. Thank you. Praise you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. He's with us. Amen? Amen? He's with us. Now, if you've never given your heart to Christ in the sense that you receive his righteousness and the power of his spirit, I want you to talk to me. Okay? I want you to talk to me. Because we will pray and you will enter into the kingdom of God. And your life will be surrounded by angels, by the presence of God, by the spirit of God. And every day will be a blessing as you live out this glorious, reckless abandonment to the, to, the, to the praise of his glory and the praise of who he is. Amen? If you have never accepted Christ, you might, hey, listen, you might be, have, have been in church for 30 years. Walking through this door doesn't make you a Christian. Walking into McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. You have to walk into Christ. And the beauty about this is that we don't have to walk into Christ. Christ will release us into who he is. And our lives will be hidden with Christ in God. Amen? If you don't know him the way I've been talking about today, your life will continue to be miserable in the hollowness and the shallowness of attempts of trying to feel good about yourself trying to live up to this religious standard of being approved by God, and it stinks. Come to Christ. Amen? Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for these believers, these followers of you, these crazy people that love you and serve you and praise you and yield to the Holy Spirit as they live their lives. We thank you for them. We pray, O oh God, as we leave this place, the gospel will ring in our ears and in our hearts the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that yes, he died even for me. And allow the Holy Spirit to minister to each and every heart, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Hey, we'll see you during the week. Life groups, we'll see you next Sunday to worship God and then to spend time together with our family picnic, okay? So bless you and... Be blessed in Jesus' name.